What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Bruce, here with you for another episode of the podcast. My guests today are Anthony and Mike from Auto Pizza. We're going to talk about how they got started a little bit. We're going to give an update as to what's changed in their business because they have a few different business models that they're running with Auto. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about their dope plant that they started and how they started, why they started, and how is it going, and maybe a couple things they would do differently if they had to do it all over again. Interesting episode. It's always fun to talk to Anthony and Mike about business and pizza. They have about 13 locations here in the New England area plus a dough factory, so uh, they're doing things pretty well, and it's good to have them on, pick their brain, and ask them a few questions for you to get a better idea of what's working today with marketing, with dough factories, with pizza, all that good stuff on the podcast today. If you haven't yet, check out our mastermind group, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. Sign up for a time to talk. Two monthly calls with me. Also get access to our private Facebook group with our monthly webinars that we do about menu design, Instagram, Facebook bots, Facebook ads, email marketing, all that good stuff. We share classes every month. We have a new class starting uh, inside of the mastermind group. So if that sounds like something you want to be a part of, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. Listen, getting your menu into your customer's hands has never been more critical than it is right now in 2020. With most restaurants focusing more on takeout and delivery, it's crucial to share your food offerings, pricing, specials, both online and offline. Menus are one of the most effective direct mail marketing pieces for restaurants. And to support restaurants, MailShark is offering 1,000 free takeout menus for any menu mailing campaign by visiting themailshark.com forward slash SPM. You can get details and redeem. MailShark has been a longtime sponsor of the podcast, and this is a great offer. You're going to get 1,000 free takeout menus with your next mailing campaign. Again, that's themailshark.com forward slash SPM for details. All right, thanks for all that. Let's get into today's episode with Anthony and Mike. I really think you're going to enjoy this one. And as Anthony mentions towards the end of the episode, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Anthony or feel free to reach out to me, Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com, and I will forward or I'll intro you to Anthony if you have any questions about how to start a tote factory, the pros and cons, uh, being in business, managing 13 locations. Anthony's an open book, and he always shares information. Every time he comes on the podcast or I talk to Anthony, and somebody emails me. Anthony is more than gracious with his time and helping out the pizza community. So if that's a, uh, if you have a question about anything you hear in this episode, feel free to reach out. I'll intro you to Anthony. Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, welcome back to the podcast. We have Anthony and Mike from Auto Pizza joining me. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you guys are busy and there's a whole lot going on, so I appreciate you joining me here on the podcast today. Happy to be here, Bruce. Yeah, anytime. So, Anthony, you were with me on episode number 149. We were just talking about that before we hit the record button on this in 2017, and a whole lot has changed since then. So uh, for anybody listening to the podcast right now, give a brief background uh, as to who you are and what you do, you guys, and how you got started. Sure. Um, Mike's on the, Mike and I met each other in, uh, in Haverhill, Mass, uh, around 2000. We were each doing our own thing in, in that city. And um, I think Mike tells a story better of how we actually actually wound up together in Portland. But uh, uh, we just to skip ahead, we opened up uh, our first auto unit in Portland uh, in 2009 in June. So we're, we're just a, a little over 11 years old. Um, 
but we we really started it uh, with the with the same idea that we we thought that uh, pizza could be elevated and and just uh, we could really bring it up a notch or two, especially when we uh, saw what was available in Portland in uh, 2009. Uh, we were both kind of recovering, trying to figure out what to do ourselves. Uh, I had a pizza background, Mike had a had a had a bistro and a a strong culinary background. Uh, and Mike was living in Portland and s sort of walked past this tiny little 200 square foot shop, uh, vacant shop, a couple times and, and called me and, and got me up there. And we figured out how to put it together for, for no money, uh, borrowed money, really, and, and some, a lot of sweat. Um, Mike, why don't, you, why don't you pick it up in Haverhill, your favorite? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, without tracking it out too much, uh, we, uh, I was building my... Bistro and uh, Anthony came over and introduced himself, had a pizza, put it on my bar, and uh, we just started chatting and trying the pie, and it was pretty good. And and I think it was in that initial conversation and intro that you know I, I said to him like I've always wanted to learn how to how to make pizza and how to do it a little differently and and, and like Ann said elevate it and kind of you know make it a serious night out with a bottle of wine and a salad and, a, and an interesting pie. And, and that was, that was a, my interest and, and Ants as well. And so we said, you know, we should try to do something together. And we, we always kept in touch and, you know, we, we lived in the same town for a bit. And after he sold his place, I sold mine. We, we kept the conversation going, but we had always talked about a, a bigger, splash you know a, a bar with you know a bunch of seats and dining for 50 60 80 uh, we were always thinking much bigger like a full-on restaurant with pizza as the focus and um and then we you know let some time went by and as i was living in portland i went by this little space and it was tiny and i i called in i said no maybe we should think about doing something really small maybe just a slice place to see if we can work together and we're both broke so we, <laughs> we, you know, we, this is all we can do <laughs> and, uh, but we, we we were both still hot on the idea and it sounded right and came up the landlord was there and uh, we ended up signing for it and we, we we signed for five years with three five-year options so a 20-year lease in a space that was usually renting by the week. It was, you know, just people coming and going. It wasn't in the hot part of Portland at the time. It was um, it was a less visited part of Portland uh, on Congress Street. And like Ann said, a lot of sweat. And that's that's where it all started. And what's the square footage, Ann? Uh, like 180, 180 square feet. Yeah, you know, with a, with a really small basement with a tiny staircase going to it. So we were really limited on what we could store in the basement, what we could put down there. So everything was really in that space up on, on the uh, retail level. And it was super challenging. I think when we first started building it, we had, we got a counter from a, from an antique store, came out of some old market. And it, originally it was about 12 feet from the door. By the time we opened, the door was hitting the counter. When you opened it, it was super small, and uh, and that's how it started. And we kind of figured a lot of stuff out. 
just just by uh, jumping in the fire there. And we realized pretty soon on that, that we could work together. That was the main thing. We recognized uh, a work ethic in each other that was uh, that we were both happy with. Shoulder to shoulder, Bruce. We were. It was tight. It was. It's a tiny shop. You throw a little bit of a equipment in there and two two blast uh, furnaces for ovens. We had. We we picked up some old blodgets <laughs> on the way up to Maine. Uh, it was a. It's a tight space. We we really and truly, uh, you know, had to kind of choreograph uh, the dance there between the two of us. But that's funny. I, I think you. Uh, yeah. I, I think you grabbed uh, your first taste of our mashed potato bacon scallion pie, Bruce, uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And, I- uh, I stopped by the year dough factory, which uh, I put on Instagram and yeah. uh, I got a lot of messages about people kind of saying, wow, that's pretty cool. Where is that? And uh, I, you gave me one of your uh, potato pies, which I haven't had before. I've had your pizza before. I've been to your place, auto pizza many times, but I've never yeah. just, I never had that one before. And that was my first experience with that pizza. And it was really, really good. I have to say. That's great. Uh, and, that, and that was a frozen product, Bruce, correct? Yes. Yeah. So that's, yeah, we're in development for getting that uh, pulled together. We have uh, Whole Foods who have all but said that they'll give us three skews in the in the frozen pizza aisle, and uh, we're we're pretty close to getting that to a point where we can uh, get it packed up and shipped out to Whole Foods uh, probably by the end of the year. Um, but just to to bring that mashed potato pie back to to Portland where it began, uh, uh, we were we were in that shop together for eighteen hours a day plus, and we were just getting sick of pizza uh, after the third or fourth week so we started throwing some real food together and and putting it on pizza and um that's that 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 version that you had um uh, we put it up on our on our display with three other pies that we sold by the slice and we couldn't give it away i mean people would walk by and come in and they'd look kind of nose up at it and then just go for the pepperoni or the cheese slice and so we eventually just started offering it for basically take it for free if you like it you can pay us for it or swap it out for something you want and uh and it started to get some traction we started to get a real a real following in this tiny tiny little space uh people would drag their friends in and family and um and had a real energy and dialogue about pizza uh right in our you know right in our tiny uh little retail space there'd be i don't know 15 people kind of jammed up in there mike right just all uh chatter about the pie so we we got some good momentum from it yeah, I mean, sometimes like isn't Whole Foods relatively known for doing that? Like the reason they hand out samples is for people to try the food so that they can buy it. If they try it, they know they're going to like it. Yes, and uh, and it still works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we'll be we'll be entering Whole Foods uh, while sampling is still prohibited because of COVID. Right. But, uh, but we all have the we all have the the sense that it's going to still still move. We have a pretty well known brand. Uh, really solid in Maine, where they have one Whole Foods unit, um, a, a thumper up there, but also pretty good brand recognition in, in the Boston area. So um, we're all we're all looking forward to to launching that. Well, it's been a long time since you started. Obviously, ten years probably seems like a hundred, and it's been two or three years since we talked last, which seems like ten as well. So what's? I mean, we live in a different world now than it, it, it even was six months ago. And I've talked to you a couple times about things you're doing and the changes that you've had to make in your businesses, maybe some that are going to stay and some that aren't going to stay. What's really, do you see differently moving forward with the situation that we're in now that you think we're never going to go back to? Either one of you guys can take that one. 
I think I think we agree that uh, um, we are going to be scaled down um, and certainly more uh, pickup and delivery centric, um, and really, um, really making that a, a you know the the term that is always gets, that always gets bounced around is 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 a frictionless experience for the customer. So, um, you know, the Harvard Square location has no no seats, no stools. Uh, we just have a tiny outdoor patio. Um, we're not going to probably go quite that model, but closer to that model than our Coolidge Corner location, which had 70 seats, a, a bar with 12 seats at it, wine and beer. Uh, I think for us, um, it's just going to be scaled down, more hyper-focused on the product. I, I think, Mike, you know, we talk about this when you when you add service and 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 all the all the um, trappings that come with service, a full-service restaurant. You just, I, I feel like we've lost a little bit of control over over what we started with, and that was just a slice shop, just making sure every single slice was was perfect. Um, so more focus on on the staff, uh, on training, and on the on the product, and just looking uh, to get that pie kind of in a box and in the hands of people who typically just want to take it home uh, rather than sit down. You know, when uh, in in March when the uh, governor mandated that all the dining rooms get closed uh, March 16th. I think we in the state of Mass. I think we have I don't know something around 200, maybe 200 seats, something like that. Um, that 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 put a big crimp in our revenue stream, and we had to adjust and pivot to make up for that lost revenue and organize ourselves differently. Um, in doing so, um, I think we've we've learned something and. One thing is people aren't really ready to go back into restaurants. Uh, right now, our, our dine-in sales are, are just about 3% of overall sales, despite the fact that almost all our dining rooms are open. So we've, we, we're going to respond to the market and um, learn to put this pie out, the pie that we started with, um, better, faster, um, higher quality standards uh, with a real, a real focus to the pie and, um, and making sure that that can get in the hands of people who want to bring it home. You you, you mentioned real quick before, I could, if I can get in there, you mentioned that you noticed like a, a little bit of a disconnect between being able to hold the consistency or really having your handle on the pie going out because of the dining experience indoors. Was that did that did you notice that before this COVID hit, or was was that something that COVID exposed? Before we get into the rest of today's episode, I have to say thanks to our sponsor, Lucky DM. Lucky DM's platform helps businesses acquire customers by offering cashback incentives to over 200 million monthly active users on hundreds of websites and apps like Yelp, Wells Fargo, and Uber, and has 30,000 businesses participating. It's risk-free with no setup fee, no contract, no new hardware, no new software, no employee training, just more customers every single month. Here's the deal. You can easily attract customers with Lucky DM, advertise on hundreds of websites and apps, free impressions, free clicks, and you only pay when they bring you new customers. Typical performance for a Lucky DM customer gets 50 to 100 new customers per month per location, 2,000 to 5,000 increase in revenue per month, 20 to 30% increase in return visits, and 30 to 40% increase in average order. If that sounds good to you, head over to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash lucky to get more information and to sign up for free. Uh, we certainly noticed it. And it's, it's one of those 
those things that we fight with looking every, you know, when we think about opening another unit, the first, yeah. the first conversation piece is always, well, we, we, we certainly have a lot of work to do with the existing units. You know, are we ready to open another unit? Um, we certainly are aware of the, the consistency problems. Um, I mean, the, the, the truth is, if you go in and order a pie uh, and sit in the restaurant, that's probably going to be a very, very good experience. The pie comes out of the oven. It's hot. Right. Uh, it's not sweating in a box. But there are so many factors uh, in delivering that product um, that I think we were leaning towards the idea of, uh, of, of thinning that out, thinning, thinning our model out. Um, where it's less emphasis on on dine in, and really um, make it more of a, a consistent production process, um, because that that you know the, for all the known reasons, everybody listening to the, po- the podcast knows the labor is a labor. It's 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 very very difficult. It's it's not going to get any better anytime soon. COVID really uh, punctuated uh, the fact that we want to just uh, take those variables out of the restaurant and put the focus on that pie. And get it home because that that is where people want to be eating today tomorrow for the next six months 12 who knows um but i think we yeah. agree in that right mike yeah i i agree um it you know we were, we were like Ann said we were kind of forced into doing more of this model uh you know since this began and um one of the one of the um sales markets that we lost was catering which we used to do a lot of and the sales guy that we have on our team that was handling the catering end wanted to make up for those lost sales and in maine started to uh organize deliveries to islands and towns and and small cities that were beyond our normal delivery range and he's done really well with that and and one of the things that that he implemented when he realized, you know, the, the product is going to be taxed even more in a box, going on a boat, carrying it up a hill, getting it on a table. By the time these people opened that box and got it home, it just wasn't our product. So he started um, delivering only um, uh, rebates. So we would almost bake the pie about 95% and they would finish it off at home. They would they would reheat it and slice it there in their kitchen. So they're getting probably what is closer to where it began with that model than to folks that just order it and get it in a box and and then open it up. You know, after it's it's only you know it took 20, 30 minutes to deliver. So that's something that would that is on the table to you know to get that product back to where it was. It that that rebate. It's just considering as well. Right. Right. That, that part big Bruce, uh, you know, if you're going to order a pizza from your favorite shop in, uh, in Swampscott, you know, get it uh, par baked, unsliced and finish the thing at home. You're going to have a superior product than, uh, from any, from any pizza shop than, than the thing sitting, you know, getting sliced, sitting in a box being jiggled around, especially with, uh, with the emphasis on third party delivery, which we, which, which has become more and more of a, uh, of a thing for us in Boston, um, those pizzas, you know, tend to be a little more abused when you put it in the hands of somebody who we, we haven't trained and we don't know, we'll never see them again. 
the Parbake is is just a it's a superior product. It's a it's a better method of getting a product out in the hands of the consumer. Yeah, so that's what you're focused on. I think that's a smart idea. I think that extends your your delivery range too, especially for even if someone wants to pick it up but they live far away. Maybe they used to work near one of your pizzerias or your restaurants and they don't anymore because the fact that they're not going into the office, maybe that gives them the opportunity to take a pizza home. And like you said, when you put a pizza in a box fully cooked and it sits there for 45 minutes, it's not, it's, it ends up being 70% of what it was. Yep. Yeah. And we, and we told people that in the very beginning, we, we were resisting the delivery piece to this with everything we had. We just, you know, the, the pie, it's a little delicate. It's, it's very thin crust and, we tell people it's just not going to be the same product when you let it sit and steam like that. And we, um, we held off as long as we could, but the demand was so strong for delivery. Uh, we just eventually pulled the trigger, but we were, we were really uh, hesitant to do it because we just, we know how different it's going to be. Yeah. It's hard too, because some people even who are delivery specific pizzerias, modify their recipe to make it better in the box but i feel like when you do that you don't really you're not like raising the the quality of the pie by doing that i feel like you're diminishing it a little bit uh, it can uh, can be it can it's a you know we we started doing a uh, offering a double dough pizza which is a you know 32 ounces of of dough yeah uh, that thing actually par baked and and put in a box and and reheated at home is a it's a killer pizza because it just has more heft. It doesn't it doesn't sweat out the moisture as much. Right, uh, you have the weight to it. Um, I think it's a superior product if you if you don't mind eating the extra dough. Uh, for for me, I think that's about as good as it gets. Have you started so, selling those? We have. It's it's not it's not really broadcast. It, we have a couple kind of crazy things like uh, you know. People can order old school, which is sauce done kind of the old way, sauce under and cheese on top. Uh, and then we have the double dough, which is you, you kind of it. We we broadcast it a little bit, but it's it's kind of light. You kind of have to kind of know about it to ask for it. But we do it in all the shops. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's going to be uh, the key. You got to be yeah. You got to adapt, right? You got to figure out what's going to be working now. I'm like, we're nobody really knows what the future is going to look like. You could guess, uh, but no one's ever been through what we're going through now. Especially if you if you're our age, right? Maybe if you're a hundred, you did back in the twenties. But if you're our age, you've never been through this before. It's the first time, and it's going to be a learning curve for everybody. We got to try to figure out how we can get through it and figure yeah. out the things that are going to work and the things that aren't going to work. But you got to make decisions quick, I guess, right? Yeah, we do. We uh, I, I, I just a, a couple points because I think you know if it, if 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 we can be kind of um, constructive here uh, when 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 the governor mandated the shutdown of dining rooms. Um, we as a group uh, organized ourselves pretty quickly. And the first thing we set up was communication levels so that we were all kind of in step with each other. Cause we have two states, 13 units, um, a dough plant. We get a lot of, a lot of communication requirements, but we were very quick to uh, initiate a, a Slack call, a daily call where each department head would go through what was top of mind and, and what was uh, needing uh, needing attention. Um, so we were quick to there and then we pivoted a couple things. We did the mobile pickup units, which a lot of shops had done, but we, we had those in place within two days of, of the governor's mandate. Um, but I think one of the things going back to the quality issue and, and really, I mean, we're all about the pizza. If, if we don't have the quality, we're, we're, we're probably not in business. Right. And 
technology, just for, for folks listening who may have not quite 13 shops, but one or two or three, the technology races, it's on, it's been on. We're all, we're all following what Domino's is doing. Uh, hate to admit it, but they do have um, the resources and, and, and uh, a, lot of, uh, a, a lot of energy to put behind it. Um, our uh, POS system, Food Tech, has uh, driver, IQ, driver IQ, which uh, helps us uh, navigate the delivery plane well. But we also uh, installed a couple. Um, we also installed Sorry, a couple. Guys. We also installed a couple uh, um, uh, bump screens in two different units that we had. Um, uh, so that we could better track pies going. You know, we, we, we just get, we, we acquire the data and we can then promise a tighter delivery time or pickup time for our customer. So now with the bump screens in three of our units, we can accurately within 97% of time tell people your pie will be ready at 7, 712 uh, and, and it is ready. And so we had to really double down on the technology um, when COVID hit, um, the, the communication levels was kind of techno technology. We embrace that, uh, the bump screens. Um, and then we had to really, we had to gather information. We had an industry uh, knowledge channel that we all shared because we'd all see different things. So I think communication was really uh, a big piece of, of our success. And, and then some of the technology behind that uh, uh, through the, the POS system has helped us continue to deliver the product where um, in March we were under 50% of our our sales year over year and then we climbed it into april we got up to uh, close to 60 percent may we got up to um, high 60s and by by mid-june we were at about uh about 80 percent of our normal sales and then august just closed we we were actually uh within 87 points of our our normal sales from last year which uh thank god um it's a tough enough business in good times right COVID. it's brutal uh, but but that's how we have structurally um, um, maintained and, and gained traction on the last COVID sales. And you know we have a great team behind us. Mike and I are we're just two guys, but we have a lot of a lot of smart people working on behalf and making sure we can we can cross all the the T's and dot the I's. What percentage of your sales is come comes through online ordering versus walk in or phone calls? Yeah, uh, two years ago. In Uncom Ave, which is our monster kind of delivery unit, uh, online ordering was about thirty six percent. Today, unit wide, online is 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 uh, mid sixties. Oh wow, that's great! And that, and that that as you know that that online ordering allows us to gather data and, yes. and information and and a contact. Uh, one of the biggest one of the biggest challenges or or one of the biggest pain points I think of third party delivery is. We sell a pizza. Um, we uh, we um, we get maybe eighty percent of the ticket price of that thing if we're lucky. Seventy-five to eighty percent of it, uh, paying a fee to the third party of between twenty and twenty-five points. That hurts. Uh, but what really hurts is we have no um, we have no data on the customer consumer. We can't market to them. Uh, uh, they can't. They can reach out to us, but it's it's really clumsy. Yeah, uh, but we, we can't fix the problem. There's a problem. It's it's it just there's so many pain points of third party delivery. It's 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 brutal. Um, and now we're we're kind of reliant on that to a point that's uncomfortable. Certainly in the urban market, in yes. Brooklyn, Village Corner, and on Com Ave, 
uh, that demographic are using third party. And I, I think that most people don't understand that there's a huge hefty fee going out the door um, for the privilege, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's very difficult to fight. Yeah, I mean, data is the new currency, in my opinion. You know, if you think about the biggest companies in the world that you can think of, Amazon, Facebook, uh, what are, what are some other ones? Uh, those third parties, what they, what do they sure. own? They own the data of the customers. And if you own the data of the customer, you can get in touch with that customer whenever you feel like it. And if you have control over that data like the third parties do, they have control over who sees your product and who doesn't. And you don't have control over that. So I think pushing people to your own online ordering platform is very, very important. It, it was I think it was always very important. I think it's more important now than ever before. It absolutely is because once they get in the habit of third party, uh, you're you're really at a loss. Yeah, um, they have you stuck. They know your algorithm. It's like Netflix, right? Like Netflix isn't great because of the movies they show, because a lot of movies they show aren't original content. Netflix is great because when you turn on Netflix, it knows what you like and what you don't like, and it shows you right. that. That's what's important, and that's what those third parties do. Is like they know you like to eat pizza on Friday night, so when you open up DoorDash, it's going to show you pizzerias in your area on Friday night. Exactly right. So the race is on. Um, it, there's some things we're working on to to regain some of that some of that lost ground, um, and and it's expensive, Bruce. I mean, if, yeah, whatever it's going to be, it's expensive. But um, the alternative is is really uh, you can't just let you can't just let it go and forget about it. I think you'll be uh, dead on delivery if you do that. Hundred percent. Let's can I, we go quick to the dough plant because I love that. I, w- I went I visited you over there. And yeah, you were pretty pretty wide-eyed there. Uh, Willy Wonka time. I mean, it's um, great. If you're a dough guy like me and who has made lots of dough in my lifetime, and we had some of the things you had in our pizzeria on a way smaller scale. Uh, but you're doing, a, you're doing something that I think a lot of people on the who listening to the podcast right now aspire to do, right? Make all of their dough, especially if they have multiple occasions. Make all of their dough in one place. What made you want to start the dough plant? Yeah, just so I don't lose track or or, or lose uh, my my idea here. Anybody that wants to reach out to you, send them over to me because I think it's a worthwhile phone call. Yes, um, we've had um, Jody Adams come through, who is uh, owns Trade as well as uh, a partner in uh, Salon Nikki. Um, we've had Joanne Chang come through. Uh, we've had a bunch of different industry folks come through the dough plant um, for the very reason it, it it it's it's one of the best examples to me of what looks great as a business plan, as a case study, it's on paper, it's theoretical. Why not, why not just make your own dough? You can scale it and, and maybe if you get lucky, you can sell your dough. Um, but in the reality, it is, it is, um, it is just always, always um, more difficult dealing with the, the actual logistics of moving that dough around, making it, uh, capitalizing it to make it in scale, and then moving it uh, logistically around the shops. It's an expensive proposition. Uh, we were convinced when we had uh, 10 units, I think, in 2015, that it made sense. We kind of crested uh, open number 10, and it, and it kind of theoretically made sense to centralize all that dough making. And in fact, it's been it's been very expensive for us to do that. And uh, 2021, we will probably reach our first year of breaking even there. Uh, and that's that's with the additional effort and horsepower of selling outside of our four walls to Whole Foods and maybe Hannaford's and, and anybody else will buy the dough or product. Um, but it's been a very expensive uh, in both capital and in terms of time. It's it's proven to be a distraction at times when when you know we didn't have the time to be distracted by it. So um, I, I, I say move with caution. Um, 
if we were to do it again, uh, I think we would uh, probably employ a, a bakery manufacturing, an objective uh, consultant who could come in and, and lay it out for us um, rather than just kind of, you know, we had um, confirmation bias at work. We wanted to hear that it would work. We wanted to make our own dough. It seemed to make sense. We were paying uh, another company to make it for us until 2015. Um, but I don't, I don't think we really made that decision with, with objective uh, information in front of us. And uh, it's, it's taken us a while to recover, five years. Uh, um, but it's been an expensive five years. Right. Why didn't you, what was the thought process uh, between having it made in each individual location versus one location where you ship it to the locations? Yeah. Uh, Some of those spaces are, they just don't have space for that storage. Uh, it would, it would be pretty clunky. It would be, it would differ from shop to shop, I think. So it was more of a consistency issue that you were thinking of in the beginning. Definitely. Operational and consistency. But, uh, yeah, those two things were, were, were really staring us in the face. What's your biggest, like, what's your average size shop foot square foot wise? Average is probably uh, 1,500, uh, uh, 13 to 1,500, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's small. So if, to put a dough mixer in there and have all the dough trays for stock and storage and a walk-in, that's that's tight. Yeah. We, yeah. We have a couple that are sub 1,000 square feet and some that are under 200 square feet. So it just became, it became really just wasn't practical or pragmatic at the time. Now, do you think that, was your thought process with the dough factory always to get inside of places like Whole Foods or Hannaford's or to sell frozen pizzas in the beginning? Or did you just think in the beginning, hey, we're going to make our own dough. And then after opening it, you're like, oh, boy, we need to come up with a way to make some more money or make this profitable. And that's when you decided to go pursue those other avenues. Yeah, no. Mike, do you remember uh, talking about well, uh, Market Basket? Yeah, it was it was a discussion. I think that the goal in the beginning was really just to make our own dough, make it consistently good for the shops, and the discussion was was part of that about you know, discussion of getting it into stores. And you know, if we build this facility, it will have all these other capabilities. But it, that wasn't the reason why in the beginning. In the beginning, it was we wanted a consistent dough product. I mean. The, the gentleman that we hired that still runs that facility today, Alex Castiello, and he's got his family in there as well. He's a master baker, and he's just a talented guy. And the dough that he's making, it's spot on, and it's 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 always the same. It's um, it, so it doesn't have to be handled a lot in the shops. He he puts it in proof boxes, and that's how the shops get it. So a lot of the steps were taken out of the way that we used to do it, where we would get frozen dough balls in a case box and have to spread them out so that they would thaw out evenly, and that caused problems. And there was a lot of waste because people would stretch them before they were ready to be stretched and end up throwing those in the trash. And so it was it was it was always a a goal for for us to get that facility together to get a consistently good product with in the back of our minds thinking that maybe there's some other opportunities there as well and that's what we're starting to see now for instance bruce we 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 tasked uh, alex uh, who's who worked for king arthur for 13 years and he's just got a he's got the resume to to figure a lot of the, the stuff out formulas that that you know that we didn't even know existed but 
uh, he said, I can replicate the dough from from what you're buying now. No problem. He said, I can I can probably do better. And so he actually formulated a, a product that is better. And now we're ready to maybe go to the next step where we'll enhance the product even further with uh, uh, with additional um, leavening and, and get it to be um, just a, even a better solid product than what we have now. So we have we have some vers- uh, versatility there that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Uh, but the, the main, main reason we went is because we feared that the company who we, we had been buying dough from, what happens if they stop uh, producing at some point, our whole foundation would crumble. We, we didn't want to be left on a, on a Monday morning trying to figure it out. So yeah. it was a, a defensive move more than anything. It's a smart move too, because you're, then you're back in control of your own product and you can change it as you see fit. Right. Yep. And I had your dough. You actually gave me a couple dough balls. It was I made them at home. I made them in my in my regular pizza, uh, not my pizza oven, my oven at home inside the yep. kitchen, and then I made it in my uni oven outside. Yep, great. Came out great. I've used those unis. They're uh, they're they're pretty impressive. Uh, one pie like every fifteen minutes is the best we could do. But yes. but that pie that that pizza was great uh, coming out of that thing. It's pretty yeah. impressive. You know, yeah. you use an uni oven, and your first pizza makes you feel like you've never made a pizza in your life. But then by like the fifteenth, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought they were pretty impressive as well. All right. Well, this was a fun talk, guys. I think I appreciate you. I know we got a hard out here. I appreciate you guys joining me on the podcast. If someone has a question for you or they want to reach out to you, where should they go? Uh, easiest thing is um, they can contact you directly. You can forward it to, to me. That's probably the easiest thing, Bruce, uh, since they're listening to the podcast. All right. But, so uh, you can email me, Bruce at smartpeatsmarketing.com. If you want to talk to Anthony, I have Anthony's email. I can give you that. And also, if you just want to, if you just, you don't have a question, but you want to check them out. Go to Auto Portland on Instagram. That's their Instagram handle, and AutoPortland.com is their website. Uh, last word, Bruce. Uh, Mike and I are, um, you know, we we figured a lot of, a, a lot of this out on the fly. We've had a lot of talent uh, at our side. Uh, we really we really enjoy talking to folks who are midstream. We've had um, we've had people from London contact us and from around the world. Uh, we're happy to talk pizza. Um, we haven't figured it all out yet, but we 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 certainly we paid the, we paid we paid, we, we paid the, the educational learning on the fly. So uh, happy happy to happy to do it. <laughs> yeah, anybody that said they figured it all out, don't believe them. Right. No, no one's ever. I don't think anybody's ever figured it all out. But I, I know for a fact that uh, last podcast we did, I got a couple people email me and said, "Hey, I want to talk to Anthony," and you've been more than gracious uh, every time. Either I contact you or text you. Or I have someone from that listens to one of the podcasts say, hey, can I talk to Anthony? You've always helped them out. So I can attest to that. And uh, if you have any questions, these guys obviously know what they're doing. They have multiple locations. You have Doe Factory. There's so much experience that you've gained over the last few years that you could help other people out with. So I appreciate that. Still having fun. Yes, that's it. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Anthony, Mike, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. And we'll see you guys on the next one. You bet. Thanks, Bruce. All right, thanks to Anthony and Mike for joining me on the podcast. Thank you guys for listening at home. I appreciate you. If you haven't yet, could you do me a humongous favor? Leave a review on iTunes. I know a lot of people listen to this podcast. Not a lot of people have left reviews. I mean, we have a lot of reviews, but I know everybody that listens to this podcast has not left one yet. doesn't take too long. Wherever you're listening to the podcast, hit the five-star button on the review or on the podcast platform that you're listening to. Helps out the show. Helps us get guests in. I would just appreciate you doing that. So thank you for doing that in advance. Uh, Like I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, if you want to get access to our mastermind group, go to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. Also sign up for our email list, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash email comes out 
every Tuesday morning, and it's really one of the best emails in the industry where we give you a ton of valuable information, all delivered right to your inbox, no spam. Uh, we don't really sell anything on there other than a couple sponsors we have that we vet, and it's a lot of great, valuable information. If you're in the restaurant space, it's everything that you need to know when it comes to news and marketing for the restaurant industry delivered to you once a week in a nice, easily-to-read format all inside the email. So smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash email for that. And say hello to me on Instagram as well. I'm at the Bruce Irving. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate you. We'll see you next week on the show.